Hello, Richard here. Just butting in before the show with a shameless plug for my new book, Life and How to Think About It. It explores 10 big questions from what am I to what should I believe to help you live life in a more thoughtful and well-informed way. It will change the way you see everything. You can pre-order it now online and we'll put a link in the summary page of this podcast. Andrew, do you have anything to plug? Well, it's funny you should ask, Richard, because everyone who's listening, as well as buying your excellent book, should also be buying The Little Book of Humanism, which I wrote recently with the Humanist UK president, Alice Roberts, available at all good bookshops. But like uh, you say, we'll put a link in here. We all want to lead a happy life, I think. And one of the things that The Little Book of Humanism does is look at the last two and a half thousand years of humanist wit and wisdom about those questions, some universal insights and some beautiful illustrations as well. So buy these two books together. They're a beautiful little parcel. Buy them both. Buy them both. Buy them both. Buy them both. On with the show. (laughs) Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Richard. In this podcast, we have a chat about some of the big questions of life, from the meaning of life to how to be good, because we're fascinated by them and want to help other people navigate them too. In each episode, we discuss our views about a different big question, and we aim to do this largely from a non-religious perspective, because that's where we both come from, but in an accessible and inclusive way. We don't aim to have all the answers, but we'll hopefully encourage you to think about these questions too. Now, this week, we're asking the question, how can I be happy? Now, this is a nice positive one before we look at death next week. (laughs) And so this week, we'll be asking, yeah, what is happiness? What makes people happy? And is happiness a goal that we should be striving for in our lives and societies? So let's start by asking, what is happiness? Andrew, what do you think? I always get to get asked the, uh, get asked the first difficult question. <laughs> you want me to do, do you want me to do this one? Yeah, well, yeah, you do it. What is happiness? What is happiness, Richard? Well, it's, it's, it's just hard, isn't it? It's very, <laughs> it's, it's very, very hard to define. I think of all the subjects that we've covered so far, I think this is the one that is the most slippery, actually. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's not one thing and it's actually influenced by a range of other aspects of our lives. Um, and so I think, you know, for example, it's, it's influenced by how we feel about the world. It's influenced by perhaps our genetic makeup. It's influenced by what happens to us. There's loads of different stuff it, it could refer to. Um, I guess I would put it at the most simple level as yeah, how we feel about our lives. Mm. So, you know, through everything that kind of goes on to us and the, all the external things that happen to us, it's about how, how we feel, how we sort of rate our lives and how we feel as we go through them. But it's not just, I guess, about our experience of it. It's about how we see them in the future and how we see them in the past. So, yeah, I would centre it on our, our own view of how we see our lives going. How about, how about and, you? And, well, that sounds okay. That, that, that sounds workable. That's a, work, a, a good provisional definition. So yeah. you're saying that you'd be happy if you felt good about your life? If you felt th- good about how it was going, what was in it, where it was coming from. I think so. Yeah. Feel, feeling contented about the way things are and, uh, in your existence. Yes. I think the difficulty with the word happiness is it almost implies this sort of massive spike of joy, doesn't it? Yeah, like a great big thick screen or something. And that, yeah. that's really where, that's where the difficulty with the whole idea of happiness is sometimes. And I think why, where people get it wrong is this idea that it's this extreme feeling of joy that you're supposed to be experiencing throughout your entire 80 years, which would be... And that's impossible, of course. It would be, also be unbearable, wouldn't it? It would be totally unbearable. Yeah, well, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't just be unbearable. It would, it would stop being happiness because, I mean, it, otherwise it, it would just be normality. It would just be your, your constant steady state. I think that sometimes you're only aware of having been happy in retrospect respect aren't you I mean sometimes you think oh I'm really happy right now of course um but at other times you 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 remember your happiness or look forward to it you know in the future you think oh I'm going to really enjoy doing this or all that 
so it has to be punctuated by other things absolutely absolutely and and i think this is where it is a tricky one to talk about in in a lot of detail because i mean the, the next question that we might ask is should we be striving for happiness in our lives um and again a tricky one what what do you think you know, I think this is a, I think this is a non-question, really. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that to be a human being, to be a normal human being, is to want to be happy rather than unhappy. I just think that's what it is. You know, I think that we um, we we don't want to be in pain, we don't want to suffer, or you know, not all the time, um, and uh, we want the opposite. You know, we want to be contented and comfortable and at peace and and, and so on and so forth. Um, even if we think sometimes that to be uncomfortable is good and we want that for ourselves as well in good mix, you know, because it's maybe a creative state to be in being uncomfortable or um, an empathetic state to be in, you know, you, you, you don't want it to be like that all the time. So I think that we do, we do seek happiness, whether we, whether we think it's a good thing or not, it just, it just is what we do. So like you, a choice you, chamber, you know, when you're uh, doing your science, when you're primary school and you put wood lice in a choice chamber and one part of the chamber is dark and, um cold and one part of the chamber is dark and warm and one part of the chamber is light you know and the wood lice go to the dark moist chamber those are the they, goth wood lice of course yeah, the goth wood lice yeah, which is all wood lice as we know and and so you know they go there the normal wood lice all go there maybe one's a bit damaged so it doesn't but but you know wood lice as a group go towards that and that's what we're like you know in the great choice chamber of our of our lives we, we go into the happy happy place we want to we want to where we want to be and so what, so what would your definition of happiness itself be? Would it just be feeling, feeling good about life? So that might be in terms of, you know, less, less pain, just general. Yeah, I think that's a good way. Of, I think that's a good way um, of, uh, uh, yeah, less pain. Um, I think it's good to almost define it negatively, or at least that, that's a good start for me since you put me on the spot. Um, I think that's a good start. I'd rather be healthy than unhealthy. I'd rather be comfortable than uncomfortable. You know, I'd rather be warm and dry and I'd rather be loved. I'd rather have something to look forward to rather than nothing to look forward to. I'd rather be in company rather than lonely. You know, it's almost rather... the ab- so it's the absence of pain almost as much as the presence of... I think that's necessary for it, yeah. I think that's necessary for it. You've got to have the absence of pain to be happy, but that doesn't mean that if you're pain-free, you're automatically happy. You know, it's not sufficient, but I think that's necessary. And, um, and all of those things are, uh, but in terms of, yeah, and that's what I think happiness is. But then I think beyond that, it just becomes incredibly personal. You know, happiness for me um, is, I'm going to say it, watching an episode of Star Trek. Here we generation. go. Sorry. Regular um, listeners will it's, be <laughs> it's my go-to. It's my go-to. Um, yeah, you know, watching episodes of Star Trek, or here you go, reading, reading a good historical murder mystery, mm. um, or having something interesting to work on, um, or, you know, uh, being going off for a walk with a with dog, um, doing some gardening, or thinking about planning a new bit of the garden. You know, those sorts of things are what make me happy, but they're very personal. For someone else, that that's all going to be different. You know, it's going to be watching a western or listening to mozart or um but it's know, swimming in the sea it's an interesting thing that you bring up in there is this idea i think a lot of things that you've come up with there are things where you're not necessarily thinking right where you're yeah. actually perhaps absorbed in something and you're oh, yeah you're just you're it's almost like that state of flow that that, you, that people would talk about but it's it's not about sort of sitting there and thinking and you know sort of scratching your chin about life it's actually participating and actually just being involved in something 
I think that's right. I think happiness is a state. You know, happiness mm. is a condition, and it's one that comes comes when we're when we're involved in something other than ourselves. I think few people, although there are some, but few people find the, their greatest happiness in, in self-absorption. Mm. You know, they don't find they're happy sitting and thinking about themselves as an entity. They find they're happy in moments when they're outside of themselves somehow, don't they? You know, connecting with something else. I would, I would say so, yeah. I, I would say the actual, the actual finding of happiness is something, you know, that, that you're actually engaged with, I would say. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, just moving on to this idea of, you know, we were talked earlier about, happy you know if you had we're in a constant state of happiness would that be any good at all and i think you know this idea of the uh you know the aldous huxley thing of uh, taking taking a happiness pill oh yes exactly a, yeah. and, uh, you know what what would life be like there and I don't, I don't think that would be any good at all really you know and for me it's things like you know the ups and downs of life actually give us meaning and color as well you know yes as we sort of move between the peaks and troughs and i think actually it's that that idea of reflecting on well actually i feel a lot better now than i did then so actually it's all there's almost a sort of idea of like your relative state can give you happiness as well reflecting on your relative state of yeah yeah definitely um so yeah so that's that's true so are there ways i mean are there ways in which we can actually make our lives happier and i think this is an interesting one because obviously there have been several charities that have come uh, sprung up in the last sort of 10 15 years that talk about happiness so there's a, there's a huge well-being industry that has you know done very well out of this sort of area but there are also uh, what i would regard as you know ser- serious minded charities that look at this and i think one of them being action for happiness oh yeah exactly yeah, which yeah, does yeah. which does talk about you know the scientific basis behind happiness and this and the idea of happiness and i think there are psychologists that look at this as well and then just to quote one of them um, richard wiseman he was saying that um you know that actually a, a proportion of your your feeling in your state of happiness can actually be influenced that you can actually do something about it you know maybe 50 percent of it is genetically determined so it can't really be altered by you <laughs> but actually that maybe there's about 40 percent that's derived from your day-to-day behavior and the way that you think about yourself and others yeah, there are people here now that are sort of focusing down and sort of suggesting that actually we can change how we how we feel about ourselves and the levels of happiness we have. I mean, do you do you sort of stand by that? Well, I, I totally do. I mean, I welcome, you know, I, I think I work for a humanist organisation I've dedicated my life to promoting the humanist approach to life because I care a lot about happiness. Mm. You know, I think this is one of the, you know, the pursuit of happiness is one of the great insights of, of Western humanism anyway. Mm. Um and it's foundational to, to you know, our modern life in so many ways. And I think that the, the, the happiness movement is hugely to be welcomed because the good thing about, you know, people like Action for Happiness and, and Richard Layard and all the people who sort of stand behind this and Richard Wiseman too, I suppose, um, is that they don't sort of pretend that happiness doesn't matter mm. whether it's just some sort of trivial thing, you know, in comparison with um, duty or the life to come or, you know, any of these other sort of like grander, seemingly grander, um, narratives individual happiness is all there is you know the person the person you or i or any person who's alive today will only get this chance to be happy you know there's no future condition in which um happiness uh, will come and you know after this life is over and there's no such thing as the happiness of the world and the happiness of society without the happiness of the individual so happiness is 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 is, is crucial um and to, and the people who pretend it's trivial or that it doesn't matter um uh, or that it's glib or that it's you know hedonistic to think about happiness um are completely wrong so yeah i welcome all of that move and i welcome its insight which is that happiness is something that you can 
um, achieve bioactions or an increase in happiness is something that you can achieve bioactions. And that is true even in the, the life of the greatest suffering, you know. I would completely agree with that. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with that. And I, and I think the, one of the really great benefits of this, this movement, I guess, is, to, is that it, it makes happiness into, it's not a fluffy thing. Like, as you say, it's not just this sort of abstract fluffy thing as part of a general world, well-being movement. Mm. It's actually nailing it down into things that, I, I guess I see it almost going beyond happiness as well, actually, as to something what I would call almost a life well-lived. You know, yes, we've yes. got we've we've all got about eighty years if we're lucky. How do you make the most of that eighty years? And you know, it's obviously people's entire choice. But I guess the the aim is to make them good rather than bad, and and your state during them happy rather than not. And anything that can actually help people to do that, like you say, even if their even if their circumstances that they can't change are difficult and miserable, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that, and I do think that. Um, I don't think that is uh, selfish. You know, I think that the more the more happiness there is in our own individual lives. I mean, all the evidence seems to suggest that the, the better as a, a, a as a person that you'll be in terms of interactions with others. You know, the kinder you'll be, the more sympathetic you'll be, and so on and so forth. Um, so, I think you know, individual well-being and happiness flows over into our interactions with others um, as well. And I think that's actually the clever thing about organizations like action for happiness is that it's it's a much more nuanced view of happiness it's it's happiness not as entirely sort of selfishness and you know eat, eating all the cakes you can so yeah of. it's actually about well identifying some of the things that really do drive it and i think some of the things that have been found for example are about giving so this idea of caring about others and helping people is actually you're not only good for the other people but actually it's fundamentally good for you too it it lifts your levels of, of happiness <laughs> so yes. um so this idea it, it actually starts to paint an idea of well this is what a better society might look like so do you think happiness should be the aim that we build our societies on should it be one of the sort of foundational things that we build our whole structure of society on yes simple answer i think so i think that um the happiness of people um should be the aim of society totally and the um, and by happiness i mean any, everyone's individual chance to um reach their own limits of personal development um and of fulfillment yeah, I, I totally think that's what society should be about. I think that's what the state should be for. Because in my mind, it goes beyond that. I think it goes beyond happiness. And I, I think for, it, for me, yeah, happiness is, is one of the foundations. But I would say, rather than just happiness, I would say it's about how you can drive yourself forward independently. So it's almost how you can think about life independently and, and carve your own life out for yourself. For me, that is a really fundamental thing. And you know, I, I think I would agree that most people would choose to be happy or not, but it, it varies so much. So it, I think it's very difficult to know how to build a society around making everybody happy. I think it would be- But self-realization, that must be the same thing, isn't it? I mean, some people, some people will find their happiness in being miserable, as you suggest. Um, but maybe, I mean, maybe there isn't the distinction that you suggest between self-realization and, and, and full development and and happiness they could possibly all be part of the same thing i mean i felt it was I, the same concept I, I would say sort of self-determination so that would include things like you know being able to think critically about your life oh i see yeah, I yeah, think yeah. For, ex for example there are plenty of but uh, what if people don't want to do that well, well, true, but there are plenty of influences around us that would be, you know, if you look at advertising, advertising is entirely about selling us visions of what will make us happy, right? A lot of them, well, most of them entirely spurious. So if you're 
if, if you're not able to think for yourself on that, then you could argue that actually perhaps people might not, might not get as happy as they might otherwise be. Well, then that comes back to the same thing. Own, they're, not, they're not following their own definition of really what makes them happy. Yeah, but that does come back to the same thing because it, you just, you're, you're just saying that in your, in your opinion, um, you, need, you need those skills of, of critical thinking in order to actually be happy at all, which right. comes back to saying that you think that society should be about realizing your happiness. So you would say as part of, as part of a society that it's just uh, an essential, happiness is yeah. the game. It, they're, they're, that's part of the ingredient. Yeah, it would have to be. It would have to be, right, yeah. So I guess that's the next question. Now, what what would society look like? Would it, would it look would it look a lot different from the society we have? If one that actually really did set out to realise happiness. I think it would. I mean, I think that you you take a very different attitude, wouldn't you, towards the design of all sorts of things, of education, even of streets, and certainly of the economy. Um, I mean, you would you would take an entirely different approach to thinking about careers, thinking about the development of children, thinking about everything. And if you were really seriously gearing everything that we did as a society together, which is a vast amount of activity, um, seriously thinking about gearing all of that towards the development uh, of happiness, then I think you would have to have quite radical change in society. I was going to say, it feels like an incredibly radical thing to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually probably very necessary at the moment, particularly as society, you know, we, we've got a fairly rich society with enough resources to go around, and then we should be thinking of how we distribute them and the purpose to which we should be distributing them, really. Think about the, the, only, the only constitution of, in the world of any state of which I'm aware where the happiness sort of plays its part. I'm probably wrong. It's probably just my ignorance rather than um, anything else. But the only one I can think of, of course, is the United States of America, where the pursuit of happiness is, you know, written into the, the DNA of, the, um, uh, of politics or, or supposed to be, obviously. Um, and that's an interesting view, isn't it? Because there, obviously, the assumption is that the pursuit of happiness, that people's happiness will be um, most likely to be achieved if the state takes care to keep them free, you know, not to get in their way, um, almost. And that's probably not what you and I are talking about, being sort of uh, Northern and Western Europeans. Well, that's <laughs> probably a very specific... take a more interventionist uh, approach, would we? Well, it's a very specific view of, of happiness, isn't it? And what is required for it. Yes. But, that's, but just because it's the only state where happiness is an aim, mm. I thought it, it's an interesting reflection. Yes, I suppose in terms of mentioning it within its constitution. Yeah, yeah that's right. But, but is there any that, other that mentions it? I don't know. Is there I, any other country where the law says the government has to try to make you happy? Particularly? Well, I would say there are other countries that are actually starting to bring their uh, policy-making round to the idea of happiness. I mean, take, for example, Bhutan, the, uh, the country of Bhutan. Now, they, they run ah, yes, in yes. gross national product. They're actually, they have for a while now been using gross national happiness. Yeah. As a, as a measurement and that seems like a really fundamental way to start the whole thing off is like if you're going to get you've got to get your measurements right for how your for how your economy and how your country works and i think that's a really good starting point and i think there's been a lot of movement a lot of talk around trying to do that i think even i think I'm right, david cameron was even talking about this yeah one. everyone's always talking about that so didn't quite, uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite come off did it well it's difficult isn't it i mean i think even i suppose even in the u.s i think it's in the declaration of independence isn't it rather than the constitution so even in the u.s they didn't suggest that the state should could could actually take control of this and you know um deliver happiness um bhutan i suppose they're what they're talking about is measuring the success of official activities um, according to the extent to which they produce happiness, which you could do, 
pretty much anywhere you could try and measure that. Although I think people's happiness level doesn't change very much, does it? Their self-reported happiness level. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think the, I think what it does do is it leads you onto this idea of weaning ourselves off some of the other aims that we've traditionally used to count ourselves on what a successful or good life is, particularly, particularly economic aims. And I think it's asking, well, okay, you know, human beings control the economy. They made up the economy. So what is it actually for? Is it there just for its own sake or is it there to serve a particular purpose? And I guess happiness is perhaps, <laughs> perhaps the best one of those of the options. I think that the economy is designed to produce happiness, isn't it? Uh, I don't think it is. Well, it's not designed to produce general happiness <laughs> of the greatest number. Um, the, but the, it's <laughs> the, 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 eco- the economy is presumably designed to appeal to um, you know, sort of a, a specific vision of what a human being is about, isn't it? Is that oh, is that what you mean? Sort of the everyday economy that people experience? Yeah, sort of, like, sort of like Homo economicus, isn't it? Really, this idea of pe- people. The, the, I mean, this is, this is an interesting point that people that people need that people goods and services and meeting people's material needs will make them happy that that is sort of one of the one of the basis that it is it is built on and, and that is certainly true because partially, with, your, partially, with your material needs unmet you would be unhappy partially but actually our non-material needs i would argue and i think the research said is are equally if not more important than that so more important than your material needs well, well yes when you are when you get to a certain level so oh, I think to a certain level yes some yeah, of the work yeah. that richard layard did was saying that you're know, up to about i don't know twenty six thousand dollars income in a year you know the, the actual after that yes the gains the gains that you get for more income are actually marginal they're marginal yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and actually that you then get into non-material uh, needs and i think you know the, the two things need to be balanced i would argue it's difficult because i think when you start using happiness as a measure for that sort of thing you can run into difficult ground for example there's research that indicates that you know in order to be happy you need to be just slightly better off than your neighbor Yes, the relative. You know, relative yes, exactly. Actually. Well, not everyone can be slightly better off than their neighbour, can they? But then you might argue that people need to get over that as... as, as yeah, a, well, then you might. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But why is it you think we should get over that rather than get over our non-material needs? Well, which is, which is, why, selective. Go, which is why you go back to other needs. So ra- rather than basing your, your happiness on material needs and on your wealth and things, you actually look towards the other things that actually do give you happiness and work out the fact that those are perhaps different for different people. So that I think, yeah, I think we do have a tendency to compare ourselves with others, don't we? But actually, I think that what a lot of the happiness movement is talking about is that, you know, you need to be looking at what makes you happy yourself. So um, someone is, so there's going to be someone who's going to be, who's going to be happy in you know, their, their greatest happiness is going to be being the richest woman in the world, you know, or whatever. Um, and they're going to pursue that. That's going to be their happiness and so on. Um, I don't mind that as long as their pursuit of that, the pursuit of their happiness doesn't lead to harms to others. Right. Reasonable enough. But it sounds like you're being a bit judgmental about this woman who wants to be the richest woman in the world, because you sort of think she has, she had non-material needs that she should satisfy instead. No, I'm not being. I'm oh, not you're not. Being okay, fine. That's all right. I, think I thought talking, I thought you were. I'm talking more about how you build a society and what, what you need to, what you need to consider when building a society that's geared towards happiness. Because right. I'm arguing it's not just about material needs that you need to be building in there. And I think That's you certainly concur true. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. So let's, let's move on to ask, what are some of the things that do promote happiness? So you, you've talked a bit, Andrew, about some of the things that make you happy. Are there some things that you think that we could say that generally and commonly perhaps promote happiness in people? 
well, the old expressions that I don't know who, who came up with it was probably some sort of psychologist. I hope it wasn't a pop psychologist. They said, you know, someone to love, something to do and something to look forward to. And I, I think that those are the sort of almost indispensable aspects of, of happiness. And I think that they, they are the things that promote happiness, you know, someone to love, the, the, the intimacy of relationships, the closeness of that. It could be, you know, lots of intimate relationships for some people. But anyway, the, the, point, the important thing of, of, of relationships, of connections with other people. Um, I think the um, importance of meaningful activity, you know, um, whether it's work, as it is for many of us, um, or other sorts of activity, you know, something to do. And then something to look forward to, you know, the, the, the possibility of, of, of equally exciting, if not more exciting days to come and the feeling of being happy to, to get up the next morning. I think they're the ingredients for happiness, really. I think that's pretty good. I mean, you can answer this question so many, hundreds of different ways, huh. um, but that's one that I think uh, appeals to me as a, as a category. Yeah, I think, that, I think that works to me. I think probably what I'd add to that might be something along the lines of resilience, about you know being able to manage your expectations and just deal with times when you're not at your best and when you're not feeling great about things so being able to ride out those more difficult mm, times yeah um, because you know sometimes we don't have that sense of waking up in the morning going yeah it's a great day ahead and actually just acknowledging that and going yeah oh, I'm fine <laughs> you know the world's not falling apart um, I think having having that is really useful and just that idea of just accepting stuff and realizing that you're not entirely in control of everything so I don't think I've ever felt like that handy. Well, that's good. That's good. I think, but, I, I, but I think a lot of people get themselves very stressed trying to. Yeah. I wonder why. Maybe that's not having enough things to think about and do and look forward to and so on. It's very hard to know. I think that could be a subject of a, of a future podcast. Yes. Control. Yeah. Well, so you've talked about what makes you happy. I'm trying to think about what makes me happy. I think I'd say lots of things. I'd say certainly in the last few years, what makes me really happy is exercising. And some people listen to this, oh. oh my God, you're joking. Interesting. <laughs> you can't be here. But the pleasure of, once you've got over the initial thing of putting on your running shoes, actually going out <laughs> and running, the actual pleasure of going through nature, looking at nature and, and being in motion and being like, it's like you were talking about with some of your stuff, being absorbed in an activity right. is amazing. And actually, you, there, there was a great feeling of well-being after having run you know that your, your body is sending some nice chemicals to you to make you feel pretty good after well, it's after not, not just happy because it's over yeah no, exactly you can sit down on the sofa and you can burn <laughs> um, yeah so that that's that's a great thing and i think the other things that you're talking about you have know, just the things that you know, my my family is a source of great great happiness to me and mm. i think it's those it's some of those things some of those what people would call really simple things um that i think bring bring me happiness and, and i i would guess they are very similar things around the world and i have i haven't looked at studies on this but i would imagine that there was a lot of commonality to some of those very basic things that give people happiness oh yes i think so like i said at the beginning i think it's our nature okay well that just about sort of summarizes our conversation on happiness and i think just reflecting on it i think there are a lot more things we could say about life and about living a good life but i think perhaps happiness doesn't cover it does it really I think you're right. I think happiness is an essential ingredient, yeah, of a, of a fulfilled life. But there are other things like, uh, well, like you were saying, being resilient, being a critical thinker, um, duty, all the rest of it. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please like and subscribe to it, share it and tell other people about it. Thanks and see you soon.